God. Matthew chapter 24, if you have your Bibles this evening. Um, this sermon kind of comes out of a conversation I was having with my wife as we were dropping our my daughter off for grandkids to catch the airplane and we were just talking about uh, uh, our time in Europe and we spent 14 years as missionaries 11 of which in Lithuania 3 of which in Ireland and we really probably wouldn't have left Ireland if it hadn't been for them changing the laws and not allowing uh, us or any missionaries to stay past three years. And to grab a hold of what that meant to be able to minister outside of a very comfortable zone, if you will, It's easy to be in America. It's easy, especially being in the Northeast where they get sarcasm and things like that because they don't even get that in the Southwest. And the problem that many people face is that their world vision is only about their world. Doesn't go beyond that. Doesn't grasp into the fact of the great need on planet Earth. For the gospel of Jesus Christ to go forth. It's about 1801, thereabouts, when the world passed one billion people. That the world had been more or less right around there for millennia that just had been like that for a long time. The Industrial Revolution happened and populations began to grow. It was November 15th of 2022 that we crossed 8 billion souls on planet Earth. According to the UN, as of July 1st, 2023, the world's population is 8.1 billion people. Of which 1.46 billion people, or 1,460,000,000 people live in the continent of Africa. 4,700,053,000 live in Asia. 740,000,000 people live in Europe. 605 million people live in North America. 4 million, uh, 440 million people live in South America. And 46 million people live in what they call Oceania, which is Australia, New Zealand, and the South Pacific. Number one nation now in the world population-wise, is the nation of India. They surpassed China, 1.428 billion people. China has 1.425 billion people. The next country, of course, then is the United States with 300 
40 million people. Followed by Indonesia, Pakistan, Nigeria, Brazil, Bangladesh, Russia. And rounding out the top 10 is Mexico. These are all souls that are in desperate need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why I say most people's world evangelism basically goes no further than their own world. It is estimated that in the world there are 11,646 different people groups. Out of that, roughly 7,000 of them contain between 0 and 2% of evangelistical Christians, or about 50% of the world, has either no or little representation of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. The world is in desperate need. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, Jesus says these words, In light of the last days, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. This is a very interesting verse that some people have believed, and you can work this out in your own theology. I don't necessarily totally believe this. But they put in the emphasis that Jesus' return is not only just in God's calendar, but is also in the hands of the church. The great commission of the church, when Jesus died and rose again, was to go into all the world. Mark sixteen fifteen, and then he said to them, go into, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 uh, tells us that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, where they lived, where they were, throughout Judea, their state, their nation, their place of comfort, into Samaria, which would be a neighboring nation, and to the ends of the earth. The great missionary, which we'll talk about in just a minute, Hudson Taylor, said the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. And we know that this, of course, begins with your neighbors and your friends, with your schoolmates and your workmates, with your businesses, and to strangers on the street. Everyone needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Everyone needs to hear and be given an opportunity. It's Jesus' mandate that we are to go and we are to speak out. The danger that some people have is they'll do it as an emotional burden. Like an emotion. The problem with emotions is they change. 
we can lose certain feelings, we can have passions, we can be up on this and down on that. Our world closes in and all of a sudden, who cares if they all go to hell? We can lose this. Sometimes it could be because we're disappointed. I've witnessed. I've reached out. We planted a church, whatever it might be. Oh, and it didn't work out the way we wanted it to. We had an impact team. Pastor Mitchell used to say, Pastor Greg quotes it in his book. Pastor Mitchell would come back from some crusades and he would be all excited, thrilled, fired up on what God had done. Others, he said, nah, you know, nothing was happening. I want to go sell insurance or cars or something else. Something else. We can become disappointed, lack of response. I remember I did one outreach in Chicopee. It was probably one of the most expensive outreaches I had done in that city. It was, it was Friday night. We did all day. Saturday, we did all day. Sunday, between the services, we were outreaching all day, all weekend. And the only visitors we saw was one of the music groups that had come for this outreach had on their way out of town stopped at a yard sale, witnessed to the, owner, the owners of the house, and they actually came to church. That was it. Nobody from the actual outreach came. Thought it was a waste. Two and a half years later, a man walked in, said, I saw you playing there. I saw the concert, and I've been meaning to come. And he's still in the church today. But the danger is if we don't treat this as a responsibility and are simply moved by feelings, we'll lose our vision. We'll lose it. It's easy to lose. Reaching people is a messy business. You'll be lied to, you'll be cheated. You'll be ripped off. They'll blow up your vans. There are a few times people get it with no effort whatsoever. Thank God for them. Sometimes we just don't care anymore. We've just been caught up in politics see some kind of opposition, political opposition bumper sticker on a car or the coexist bumper sticker. And you think, I just want to run this person off the road. Because now you don't care. Now it's about being right and not about winning souls. I'm not saying righteousness saying it becomes right, it's just an argument. Some people just pay lift service to it. Isn't it interesting that in the Sermon of the Mount, there's people who come to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons? Did we not prophesy? And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. 
Most Bible scholars believe that that's just people who join themselves to a church that does that so they can feel good about it, but never themselves participate in it. And Jesus says, I don't even know you. But Lord, didn't we do that? Oh yeah, there's people who they pay lip service to outreach. But where are you on Saturday? When's the last time you personally witnessed to a sinner? When's the last time you personally thought or prayed for another city, nation? When's the last time you told God that you'd go? Often we have all our reasons of why we can't. And probably the biggest lie is the attack is, well, God will judge their hearts. If they don't know, then God will just judge their hearts. But it's very interesting. If that were true, then Jesus wouldn't have said go. Because if that were true, then once we tell them, now they're responsible and now they'll go to hell. But if we hadn't told them and they were sincere, they would have been okay. That's the illogic of saying, well, God will just simply judge their hearts. It would be better if we just shut up. But Jesus makes it a point. One of the most New Testament books of the Old Testament is the book of Jonah. We're going to get out of this, but just hang in there. The book of Jonah is a very interesting book. God tells him to go to a people. You go to Nineveh. You go to a people that aren't yours. They're not Jews. They are Gentiles. This is modern-day Iraq. Says you go there, verses one through three of the book of Jonah. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment, because I have seen how wicked the people are. And so Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, and he found a ship leaving for Tarshish, which was in Spain, and he bought a ticket, went on board, hoping to escape the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. I don't like their people. I like the food, I like their attitude, I like their politics, I like their thinking God, they can all just go to hell. That's what Jonah says. It's interesting that God is so concerned with the people that he goes through great, great lengths to finally get Jonah to go there. And when he does, he preaches eight words. Eight words, then goes out to the side of the city and waits for judgment to fall. But they repent and he gets angry. That's prejudice. That's disobedience. You notice God doesn't negotiate with him. Oh, you don't like Nineveh? Okay, how's Crete? You don't like Crete? Mm, How's Alexandria? He doesn't do that. You go to Nineveh. It's not negotiating with Jonah. There's no negotiations involved. He told the church, you go, you preach. See, the gospel of going into all the world 
is a holy responsibility given to the church. One man said, we are the only organization that exists for the benefit of the non-member. That's why the church exists, for the non-member. The Apostle Paul felt that weight. He had prayed. He even tried to negotiate with God. God, I will go to hell if Israel can be saved. That's a heavy negotiation. And God said, no, you're going to the Gentiles. Now think about this. He's a Pharisee. He's taught not, you don't touch a, you don't touch a, gen, a Gentile. You don't touch what they've touched. You go. They're going to be practicing unclean things involved in all sorts of idolatry and immorality. You go. Galatians 6.14 As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the cross, my interests in this world have been crucified. And the world's interest in me have also died. People get afraid of the price. If I obey God, if I respond to the call of God, if I go to another city, if I go to another nation, won't that cost me? And the answer is yes and no. Yes. I remember being overseas in the early 2000s when America's economy was, was booming and people were buying new cars and new houses and, th- and this and that and that and this and, you know, we're just trying and, and the dollar was just absolutely nosediving. And so our rent went from $650 to $1,100 in just a few months because of the exchange rates. It just costs that much more to buy the currency of Lithuania. There were lonely times, there were frustrating times, yeah. But you know what I've learned? Life has lonely times and frustrating times, even here in America. The privilege, the reward... The knowledge of preaching in different nations. I preached in 31. uh, India will become my 32nd nation. I've been translated into languages. I have no idea what the translator was saying. Probably the craziest one was the guy in Bulgaria. He would just sit on the pulpit like this. Jesus loves you. I don't know what I love you. I don't know what he was saying, but he never moved. Always a monotone expression. That was probably the craziest. Paul writes and he says, Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I'm compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. Paul says it's not about Hey, look at me, I did this. It's a responsibility. It's a privilege.
when we were missionaries, we would run into other missionaries. And I'll tell you, it's sad. I, good, good-hearted people, many of them, very good-hearted people. This is not an indictment against most of them. There are a couple I still wonder about. But they would come to start schools, Bible schools, regular public schools, orphanages, Bible camps. The Assembly of God in Lithuania bought a camp. They were going to give it to the Lithuanians. This was a white elephant. This was something they were never going to be able to afford to maintain on their own. To be used six weeks out of the year. Thousands and thousands of dollars. I met missionaries who are there to minister for the arts. And I'm not talking about dramas and music, street evangelists. I'm talking about statues and paintings. Somehow that's evangelism. Go into all the world and paint pictures, I guess, is what they interpret that as. Absolutely tragic. Only two, three actually, three of them started churches that I can think of. Some were there to help. Some of them didn't even go to church, which is a mystery to me. One girl hated me because I challenged converts to come to church, and she's like, they don't need to go to church. They're part of YWAM, Youth with a Mission. That's all they need is their Tuesday Bible study. They need a church. It's biblical. Problem is, she wasn't. Probably fornicating, but that's a speculation on my part. Three major heroes of the faith a modern day, if you will, all Englishmen. One is a man named William Carey. William Carey, is a, he became a missionary to India. He is known today as the father of modern missions. He left England. He began to preach in India. He began to reach converts, began to see God do some great things in the nation of India. He first went to Calcutta. And as a result of that, he ended up having to leave because of the British. He actually ended up in modern-day Burundi. And he preached for many, many years, 20-something years he was a missionary. Another major, uh, he was actually a Scotsman, if you will, but Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor studied as a doctor. He, would, he learned to live on 10% of his income. He would give away 90%. Uh, he would study not only medicine, but also the Bible. He went to China. He began to labor there. You can read his story. He buried his first wife there, some of his children, and on his story goes. But the impact that he made, and I'll talk about not only in China in just a moment, David Livingston went to Africa. 
Scotsman. I had the privilege of, when I preached in, in Scotland, of going to his house, his museum, attacked by lions, all sorts of things, to preach the gospel, the impact that he made, that Livingston, is it Namibia? No. Where is it? Zambia is named after him for the impact he made. These men shaped modern missions. The impact, when they went, it would be six months. There's no modern communication. There's no modern travel. There's no modern anything. Mail could take six months. was the Cambridge Seven. There were six students from Cambridge University and one from the Royal Military Academy who in 1885 dedicated their lives as missionaries to China through the China Inland Missions. They were accepted by Hudson Taylor. Two of them were brothers. I'll spare you their names, but... They left for China, but before leaving for China, they decided that they should evangelize their own country. So they did a tour and wrote a book. The book was basically the, uh, their testimonies. Queen Victoria actually got a hold of this book before their departure and was moved by it. That book became a national bestseller in England and actually had a tremendous amount of influence towards missions in the new country just celebrating its 100th year anniversary in the United States. They could hear the call. Nothing like today's missionaries. Nothing like what my wife and I went through. When I read about Hudson Taylor or David Livingston, I never had to climb a tree, escape a lion. Isaiah 6, 8, Then then I heard the Lord saying, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, Here I am. Send me. Ezekiel tells us that in Ezekiel 22 that I looked for a man who would rebuild the city. The wall of righteousness and guard the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. I found none. Romans works back the questioning. Paul says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans 10, 13. But then he asks the question, how shall they call upon him to be saved unless they believe? And how shall they believe upon him if they have never heard? And how, shall they hear, uh, how can they hear unless someone tells them? How can anyone go and tell them without being sent? 
Could God be trying to move you? Out of your world? Into the world? Jesus said this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. This will happen with or without uh, you and I. But it's a whole lot better if we're part of it. Some have said, well, this could be television, radio, or internet. No replacing boots on the ground. The war in Kosovo back in the 90s. NATO tried to win that war simply by bombing. They simply used aircraft to try to win that war. And they found out that doesn't work. We can send all the things in there as possible, but until there's boots on the ground, it won't change. So let's talk about our part. Because it's a big task. It's a big world. Eight billion people. Not everyone can go. Not everyone is to go. I've met people who I thought they should never go. They wouldn't survive ten minutes. But we all can do our part. We could pray. There are 212-ish nations. And I say that-ish because there's some nations like that people don't recognize. Taiwan is one that the United States recognizes. The rest of the world doesn't really recognize Taiwan as their own independent nation. There are breakaway parts of like Moldova that the only one that recognized that is the mafia. I mean Russia. No, I mean the mafia. But we can pray. Jesus said then in Luke 10, the harvest is truly plentiful, great, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest for laborers to go into his harvest field. We can pray for cities. We can pray for nations. Nineteen oh eight, James Fraser gave up a promising career in order to be a missionary into China. He worked hard to learn the language and the culture in order to share Jesus. He was working in Lusland, in the foothills of the Himalayas. This is over towards Nepal. This is all the way in the east of China. He would regularly travel to villages, evangelizing and leading services with converts in each village. During the winter months, the snow made travel to these villages in the highlands impossible. James was often frustrated, even blaming God for hindering the work. He sensed a challenge from God, and he knew that he would... God would take care of 
take care of those people who prayed. He would try to go and lead services, but unable to travel in those days, he took to simply praying for the new Christians who were in the faith. When spring arrived and the snow melted, he was eager to go visit the highlands and the villages and to check on the disciples. What he found amazed him. Through the winter, they had been reading their Bibles and praying, and he discovered they had grown far more in the faith than the disciples did in the lowlands. Later he wrote, if I were thinking after the manner of men, I would be anxious about my converts in Lusu, afraid for them falling back into demon worship. But God enabled me, casting my care upon him. I am anxious and not nervous. If I hugged my, uh, if I hugged my care to myself instead of casting it upon him, I should never have preserved the work so long. Perhaps never even started it. But if it began in him, it must continue in him. God knows what he's doing and prayer changes everything. When's the last time you prayed for a nation? Missions are expensive. Tens of thousands of dollars. It's a lot of money and it's never ending. And there's no cheap way to do it. And I've been on the other end of that knowing, feeling the responsibility, but knowing there's little. You can't draw a salary. Changes the whole visa aspects. You just can't do it. In many nations. If your heart is in it, you'll give to it. Let me just tell you, where your heart is, there is your treasure also. But your treasure follows your heart, but your heart can also follow your treasure. Money is a very revealing part of people's hearts. Paul writes and says in Romans fifteen twenty four, I'm planning to go to Spain. And when I do, I'll stop in Rome. And after we've enjoyed fellowship for a little while... You can provide for my journey. He doesn't even, like, he's not subtle about it. I'm coming, and we're going to take an offering, so you can help me go preach in another country. He's not even subtle about it. Philippians 4.15, as you know, Philippians, where you were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought the good news to you and then traveled on to Macedonia. No other church did this. Reinhard Bonnke, I had the privilege of seeing him preach once. And he was preaching, made the statement as if I can raise $10,000, I can do a crusade in Africa and see 10000 People saved. This is in the 90s. There were political and spiritual things happening. I wish it was that way. 
And that's exciting. But true missions doesn't end there. Because now you have to disciple them. Now you have to pastor them. Reinhard Bonnke actually really loved our fellowship. He made the statement a number of times that we were the most consistent group that he had come across in all of Africa. He would go out of his way to help us doing a crusade in Jamaica simply because we had fellowship church there. Giving another missionary a tent. Understanding that the investment involves teams, flyers, buildings, and all sorts of other works. Local outreach is not cheap either. The gospel is free. Preaching, it costs a lot of money. Another great quote from Pastor Mitchell. So let's talk about making yourself available. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. Jesus doesn't say, I really hope the church could get it together and preach the gospel in all the world. That would be very helpful. Maybe they would actually pay their tithe and go on outreach and that would be great. They could actually do something for me. He doesn't say that. He says, this gospel will be preached. The choice is, are you going to be part of it or not? That's the choice in all the world as a witness to all the nations. Not just the ones we like. All the nations. That begins here. It begins with your embracing of a greater opportunity. A greater place that God has purpose not only for your life, this church, our fellowship, but Christendom in general. Hudson Taylor made the statement, I used to ask God if he would come and help me. Then I asked if I could come and help him. Finally, I ended up by asking God to do his own work through me. I want to leave you with just a couple of things that would help you in life, but really help you to respond to God. One is get out of debt. Most debt, and I'm talking about the flourishes debt, the credit card stuff that you don't need because you go out too much to eat, or you need to have that thing that you didn't ends up in the closet the next couple months. That kind of stuff. Learn to witness now. I'll tell you what, it's very hard to witness in another language. I remember we, one of my first witnessing in another country was France, and I was trying to think of the word renaissance, and I couldn't think of it. I couldn't think of that French word at the time. Being born again, it's like being renewed. It's like a renaissance. You know, it's kind of the thing that I remembered it later. But witnessing. 
You know what you're going to find is people are the same. I remember I was in Trinidad. And this young, black, Trinidadian girl was in high school. And she came to this class to hear my, and I was going to give my testimony. And she said before, she goes, you're an old, and I wasn't even that old at the time, but she said, you're an older white guy from America. I'm a young black girl in Trinidad. What do we have in common? I gave my testimony, and she said, you know what? A lot more than I thought. Because people are peoples. Doesn't matter the color of their skin or the nation that they come from or the language that they speak or the religion they were born in. Peoples are people. If you'll learn to witness and pray, God gives you a heart for the harvest. You're, you, you may never go beyond praying and giving. You may not be one of those who will go. But God could use your life anyway. I would come back to Cape Cod and I would thank them. Before I, when I got left Ireland, was moving to Prescott, I had the opportunity to go back to Cape Cod and preach. For just a Sunday morning service there and I thanked them. I said, you've given 16 years Two years on staff, 14 years as a missionary, you've given, supported us. Thank you. There are faces there. They may never go. Precious people. If you give a righteous man a cup of water in the name of a righteous man, you get a righteous man's reward. Some of them will get missionary rewards. They never left, they never went anywhere. But they prayed for us. They prayed for Lithuania. They still pray for Lithuania. They prayed for Ireland. I think some of them even still pray for Ireland. I hope they do. We still have works there. But what God can do through your life for the world. This is a holy responsibility that you and I share. This gospel will be preached. God, let me be a part of that. Let me, please. It's a privilege. It's not a, it's not a, oh, I have to. It's a privilege to be a part of that. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Preaching the gospel, the good news. Jesus can change a life, save a soul, forgive a sinner. Maybe you're here tonight. You're not right with God. There's a wonderful, wonderful message. Jesus loves you. And he wants to help you. He wants to change your life. He wants to do a miracle for you. If you're here this evening, you're not right with God. You're not saved. Or you are backslidden. You need to come back to Jesus. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand. Pray for me. I need to get my heart right with God. Anyone at all, very quickly. We're going to move on in just a moment. Changing the call then to Christians. It's a holy responsibility that we have. To preach the gospel. We'll do that through dramas, as you heard about 
We'll do it through music groups, witnessing, outreaches, family fun days, trunk or treats, haunted houses, whatever the opportunity, just to gather a crowd and share Jesus with them. That's a privilege. That's a responsibility. This gospel will be preached. Whether that's in Brighton or Rochester, whether that's in Rwanda, and let's worship Him. Father, we love You. Oh, ra, 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 bo, bo, re, re.